Hello, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. And we hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. And if you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. We're in the third Sunday of Advent. And for Advent this year, we're elevating the stories of women uh, whose lives have helped to share the gospel through uh, their behavior, their lives, their teaching, even their activism. And perhaps none of these are more important than the life, witness, and testimony of Mary Magdalene. Now, if you'll extend me some grace, I'd like to explore a resurrection story uh, while tying it into some Advent themes. And so let's look at this together. Uh, It's found in Luke chapter 24. I want to read the first 12 verses. And it says this, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, They came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Now remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women who were with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And then he went home amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, place Mary Magdalene at the scene of the resurrection as the first witness of this world-changing event. Now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is, in fact, the central story of Christianity. And right at the center of that story is the story of Mary Magdalene. And just that fact alone should not be overlooked. Just this fact alone would be hard to overstate its importance. But the question is, how did Mary Magdalene end up in the middle of it all? How did she get here? Well, to know that, we need to go back to some small detail that's shared both in the Gospel of Mark and in Luke. Mark chapter 16, verse 9, also a resurrection story, says this, After he, that is Jesus, after he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. And then Luke chapter 8, the first three verses, says this, Soon afterwards, he, that is Jesus, went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. There were 12 that were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward Chusa, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their own 
resources. Did you catch the detail about Mary Magdalene? Almost in passing, these two gospel writers tell us that Mary Magdalene had been healed by Jesus of seven demons. Does anybody else get nervous when the Bible talks about demons? I know I sure do. But here's what I've come to learn. When the Bible talks about demons, it could be the super creepy kind that represent an unseen spiritual world. This is often what Hollywood uses for inspiration for scary movies. But it can also refer to conditions that the ancient world just didn't have language for, like mental illnesses or behavioral disorders. And not having language, they attributed those conditions to the demonic. Now, whether Mary's condition is because of conflict in the spiritual realm or because of conditions that would be more recognizable to us today is unclear. It remains a mystery. We don't know uh, her particular ailments. There's also further mystery to all of this. We don't know exactly what seven is trying to indicate. It could mean that she suffered from seven different ailments, all of which were healed by Jesus. But it could also be a literary way of speaking to the severity of her ailment. See, seven is sometimes used in the scripture uh, to speak of wholeness or completeness. So saying that she had seven demons could be a way of indicating that her ailment had complete control over her life. And so while the particularities of all of this remain a mystery, what is clear is that Mary Magdalene would have had an an experience of profound isolation, loneliness, and shame. I mean, even in our own time, illnesses and conditions that are beyond our control are often stigmatized, leaving those who suffer from these ailments feeling alone, feeling shame. What's clear is that Mary's life would have seemed and felt very hopeless. And we don't know the circumstances, but the witness of Mark and Luke is that Jesus healed Mary Magdalene, that she was freed from the grip of her her severe ailment, thanks be to God, and her life was made brand new through the healing power of Jesus. Uh, You know, during this pandemic, uh, we've prayed as a family almost every day for the healing power of Jesus to be made real in our world. Uh, We pray that Jesus would heal our world and our country from the devastating effects of COVID. We pray for Jesus to heal racial tensions, political divisions. We long as a family together through prayer for the world to be made right. We recognize though, and we try to teach our kids that Sometimes Jesus chooses to heal through miraculous means, and other times the Spirit of God is working through the the healing work of medical professionals or the scientists working on vaccines. And we've tried to say that uh, these folks who are doing healing work in our world are doing the work of God, whether they recognize it or not, because God is the healer, and healing work is to be attributed to Christ. And so for Mary Magdalene, the healing power of Jesus was very real and very personal. 
She received healing grace when all appeared to be lost. And from that point on, she was right in the middle of all the action. I mean, she was right in the thick of it. She became a dedicated follower of Christ and a central figure in the Gospels. She's mentioned by name over a dozen times in the Gospels, which is a huge number. And so Mary Magdalene, who is not to be confused with Mary of Bethany or the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with her hair, but Mary Magdalene is right in the middle of it. We assume that she was there for much of Jesus' teaching, hearing it, taking it in. Uh, she was likely witness to many of Jesus' miracles through the ministry of Jesus. And she was close at hand when Jesus was arrested, charged, and facing death. In fact, by the time that Jesus ended up on the cross, many of the disciples had already given up and left. Judas betrayed Jesus, which led to his arrest. Peter denied Jesus three times when asked if he had any association with Jesus. And other disciples scattered, believing that Jesus must have been a failed Messiah. I mean, after all, Messiahs aren't arrested and killed at the hands of empire. The Messiah is the one who is supposed to overthrow the power of empire. And so when Jesus was carrying his cross to Golgotha, many of the disciples were seeking to disassociate their name from his. Mary Magdalene, however, wasn't worried about reputation. And she wasn't worried about reputation because she already knew what it was like to not have one. She knew what it was like to be cast aside and forgotten. And so she was, well, let's just say it plainly, she was over the pretense of reputation. So there she was. She remained faithful, present to Jesus, even when all hope seemed to be lost, just as he had remained present to her when all of her hope had seemed to be lost. Jesus was present to her at a time when she had no dignity left to protect. During a time when no one bothered to see her, Jesus recognized who she was beyond the ailment that she had faced, and he offered her grace. Perhaps this was her motivation to stick with Jesus during his darkest hours. John chapter 19, verse 25 says, Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Four women, three of them named Mary, at the cross as Jesus died. It's a cohort of faithful Marys. <laughs> But this relationship, and this is where I want to really kind of hone in today, this relationship between Jesus and Mary Magdalene actually paints for us a wonderful Advent picture. Because at a time when humanity was so lost, God refused to withhold God's presence and he gave us Jesus. And in response then, we refuse to give up hope when all seems lost. 
we continue in our waiting, confident that God will come again to bring to fruition the work of redemption that has been accomplished in Christ. And so the very things that we lean into and that we practice during Advent are the very things that God practices toward us and our lives as illustrated in the life of Mary Magdalene. That is, while we choose to live according to possibility, not just present reality, God looks at us and sees our potential. While we live between what is and what will be, God accepts and loves us just as we are and then transforms us so that we can better reflect God's image to the world. While we wait in hope for all things to be made new, God works in us so that we might become new creations. And so this relationship between Mary Magdalene and Jesus shows us these incredible Advent and Christmas themes of hope when all seems lost and presence in the midst of the impossible. And so I believe that what kept Mary watching at the cross was her commitment to be present even when it seemed hopeless and all had apparently failed. In fact, Mary and a collection of other women, a group of other women, were so fiercely committed to presence that they went to the tomb Sunday morning with spices in hand, ready to do the unpleasant but necessary work of preparing the body for burial. And actually, one of the gospel writers indicates that they go to the tomb with a very logistical question. How are we going to get the stone rolled away to have access to the body? And so they approach the, that, that location with a very logistical question, but they left with a world-changing announcement and became first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because when they came to the tomb, they found a messenger who announced that Jesus was not among the dead, for he was alive and he is alive today. And Luke is careful actually to point out that at that moment, Mary Magdalene remembered what Jesus had taught about the resurrection. She rushes to tell the other disciples, these men who had been, uh, had been with Jesus the past three years, listening to his teaching, watching his miracles and learning the ways of God. But upon hearing about the empty tomb, the gospel of Luke tells us that they didn't believe her that they thought she was telling an idle tale. Now, this isn't in the text, but I can imagine Mary and the other women desperately trying to convince the disciples, these men. They, these women, had remembered Jesus' teaching and were starting to put the pieces together of what this might mean and how this would change everything, the implications of resurrection. And so I can imagine for them a mix of emotion, excitement at the prospect of resurrection, mixed with frustration that they weren't believed, and how that must have led to these desperate attempts to convince the other disciples so that their excitement could be shared but it was to no avail. It, it turns out that men have been disbelieving the testimony of women for centuries. 
Some of the men, Peter in particular, were curious enough, however, to go to the scene and check it out. And what they found when they got there is that the testimony of the women was in fact true. There was no body, only strips of linen where the body of Jesus once was. You know, we tend to read a certain level of certainty into the scriptures that isn't always there. The men left the tomb that day knowing that there was no body, but not fully knowing exactly what had happened or what it meant. And while Mary and the women were starting to put the pieces together, we must also recognize that they didn't fully know at this point uh, all the implications of resurrection. They're living so close to the story. And isn't that true for our own lives? That as we live so close to our own stories, to the own events of our lives, we aren't yet uh, able to put the pieces together or see everything clearly until we look back. John chapter 20, verse 9 notes, they still did not understand from the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And so while we tend to read a lot of certainty in this this scripture, um, there is still some uncertainty as they live out this story of what this means fully. Well, after everyone had left, Mary was by the tomb crying when she heard the voice of someone who she assumed to be the gardener. Listen to John chapter 20, verses 11 through 16, as it tells this story. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And there she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, though she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. But then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said in Hebrew, Rabbani which means teacher. It occurred to me this week that witnessing resurrection is a bit of a funny thing. At first, it is the absence of something you expect to be there. You expect a body to be in a tomb, but it isn't. But witnessing resurrection isn't complete until you witness something that you don't expect that is the body that has been raised. And so with Mary's interaction with Jesus by the tomb, her witness of the resurrection is complete. But so is the testimony of the gospel. That in this interaction with Mary Magdalene, we have the completion of the story of the gospel that Jesus' death on the cross isn't complete until you have resurrection. And so what we find from this phenomenal story, this far-reaching story of a woman who was first healed by Jesus in the middle of all the action and then right there seeing the completion of the story, 
we learn this. It was Mary Magdalene who refused to leave Jesus in his darkest hour. That she was the first to make the connection between the teaching of Jesus and his resurrection. She was the first witness to resurrection. She shared the good news of resurrection with the disciples. Perhaps this is why the church, the capital C church throughout history, has come to know Mary Magdalene as the apostle to the apostles. In thinking about this week's sermon, I wanted to come up with some really neat life application. But at the end of the day, I decided there may not be some really tangible application to our lives. But maybe we just need to sit with the sheer beauty of Mary Magdalene's story to learn from it, to be inspired by it, but also and perhaps primarily to experience the presence of God in it. That maybe we can find ourselves in Mary Magdalene's shoes as one having received healing grace from God. Maybe we could challenge ourselves to respond as Mary Magdalene did, refusing to give up hope when all hope seems to be lost. There are some beautiful Advent themes in this story, even in this Easter resurrection story. So I pray that we would not only learn, but we would also be inspired by this story, by her story. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today, as we listen and as we lean in and as we learn from the story of Mary Magdalene. I pray that you would inspire our hearts and that you would challenge us. God, in an in a Advent season where we find ourselves more in tune with longing and with hope perhaps than ever before, I pray that we would be faithful people of hope. Pray that we would be ones who would refuse to let go of hope, even when things seem so desperate. For God, you have not given up hope. Part of what this Advent season and Christmas season teaches us is that you are willing to enter into the mess, the beautiful mess of our lives and of this world. For that we give you thanks, we give you praise. And may we learn from this story. And may your spirit be freely at work among us as we have heard these words and as we ponder them in our hearts. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.